Let's just um, pray first. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, your word brings change, your word brings life. Holy Spirit, I pray tonight that you will um, speak to us through your word and change us and mould us into the people you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What is the thing you need the most right now? What is your greatest need? For some it might be healing. For some it might be employment. Some people might need finances, more money. Life is tough and from time to time you all have needs. You know, when I go to uh, Chatsworth to work I see people begging in the streets. Life is tough. If you could change one thing in your life right now, what would it be? In the passage we've just read, Jesus tells us what our greatest need is. Not only does he tell us what it is, he meets that need. Because everywhere he went, he met people's needs. There are three points we learn about Jesus' ministry in this passage that I just want to unpack for us. So if you've got your Bible open there, let's look at verses 1 and 2. Jesus preached the word. It says, A few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. What was he preaching? What was the content of his message? Tells us in Mark chapter 1, a few pages over. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. And again in Matthew, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus spent a lot of time and was continually reminding the people that they need to repent because this was the message that he was proclaiming. Capernaum was the place where Jesus chose to set up his headquarters and the first time he was there, the people were amazed at his teaching and he healed many of them. People brought their sick friends, relatives, loved ones to be touched by Jesus. And Jesus was so determined to get this message out that he got the disciples up early in the morning. If you're like me, I don't like getting up early in the morning, particularly before six o'clock. But Jesus got up at the crack of dawn. I can imagine the disciples, oh, Jesus, we haven't had our morning coffee yet. Can we just wait half an hour? Jesus said, get up, you guys. We're going to go to the surrounding towns and villages and preach there as well. So off they went. And here is where the story in in this passage uh, is picked up. Jesus had returned to Capernaum. He said he came home and many had gathered at the house where Jesus was that there was no more room inside so they were gathered outside. We don't know whose house it was. Some say it was Peter's. We don't really know. But Jesus came to this house. Now the people that had gathered there 
had seen a few days before the miracles and the signs and the wonders and the things that Jesus did. So they'd come to this house and the place was packed because they wanted to see Jesus do some powerful miracles. And Jesus could have been a show-off. Jesus could have shown how powerful he was by doing some miracles, but he did something completely unexpected. He continued to preach the good news that the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, I don't know what you would have thought if you were there that day. Suppose you had come possibly in the rain or searing heat on a stubborn, cantankerous donkey trying to see some great, amazing display of supernatural power and all Jesus did was talk and talk about the same thing. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what was so important about his message? What was so significant about the kingdom of heaven? At the time the Jews were suffering persecution under the Romans and they thought that God was going to send them a Messiah who would overthrow the Romans and set up a kingdom on earth. That is what they were expecting. But it's not exactly what they got. See, Jesus is trying to make them understand that the kingdom is already here and Jesus is their king. That's why he kept saying the good news is here, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But they just didn't get it. That's why he kept saying this is good news. The Messiah had come in Jesus and he was setting up a kingdom but not an earthly kingdom as the Jews were expecting. His kingdom was an eternal kingdom. They just didn't get it. See, the kingdom of God manifests itself through the church and thereby the future reign of God breaks into the present. And Jesus is telling them that God is king and they need to live under his rule instead of living as if they could make their own rules. Because that's wrong. We're in the wrong. That's why we need to repent. Because we're so stubborn, we want to live by our own rules. We want to do what we want to do. We want to do our thing. But Jesus is saying, no. In God's kingdom, he's the boss. He's in charge. (coughs) So why did Jesus keep telling them to repent? Because Jesus knows that their greatest need is forgiveness. He also knows that The message is the same today because our greatest need is forgiveness. Repentance means more than just saying, I'm sorry. To repent means to have a change of mind, to have an allegiance turning from Satan to God, turning from our old way to live God's way. I want to say something right now that needs to stick. Sinners cannot have any part in God's kingdom. That's quite clear from the Bible. So let's go back to our story in Mark. The problem with this town was that the miracles eclipsed the message. The people valued the miracles more than they valued the message. I mean, after all, when some dude comes into town and just keeps telling us to repent all the time, what's so good news about that? They just didn't get it. 
But it's clear to me that Jesus considered the message far more important than the miracles. Miracles won't necessarily change us and bring us to repentance. And preaching is God's chosen method for reaching into the hearts of the lost. So therefore nothing should ever be allowed to crowd out the message. We can have great music, lively services, all the trimmings of a super mega church, all the flashing neon lights. But if these things take priority over the message of faith and repentance, we've missed the point. We've missed the point of what Jesus is saying to us. Jesus knows that our greatest need is forgiveness of sins. Why is that? Because we are all sinful. So leads me to the second point of the second thing we find out about Jesus' ministry. He is able to meet all our needs. Jesus can do miracles because he works in the supernatural realm. So what is stopping us from going to him with all of our needs? He said, come and I'll meet your needs. When people go to him, he meets their needs, whatever those needs are. Because he's a supernatural God. He doesn't work in the earthly realm. He doesn't think like we do. He's not restricted in his thoughts. The problem is sin that separates us and keeps us out of God's presence. As a believer, God takes care of us because he knows us better than we know ourselves and is always has our best interest at heart. Sometimes we don't think so. Sometimes we say, God, what the heck are you doing? But he has our best interest at heart. We go back to a passage and read verse 3 and 4 and then we're going to jump to 11 and 12. This is where the story really starts to get interesting. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. I tell you, Jesus said, get up, take up your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. You see, people had heard that Jesus was back in town so they flocked to the house where he was preaching like he was a rock star, like he was a movie star. George Clooney's in town. Let's go. They flocked to the house. But I don't think they wanted to hear him talk again about repentance. I think they wanted to see some supernatural power. I think they wanted to see him perform a miracle. Put on a show for us, Jesus. When Jesus began his ministry there, he healed many from the city who had come to him. The fact is when God decides to move, things really happen because God is a supernatural God and is not constrained by our small human thinking. Sometimes we lock God in a box and we don't, don't let him have, have his way. We don't let him do what he wants to do. Amazing, extraordinary things can happen. Do you trust God enough to really let him work in your life? If you are sick, do you trust God for healing? Do you look to Jesus in faith to meet all your needs? That's what Jesus saw in these four men. He saw their faith. Now the three observations I want to make about these men. 
The first one is they dared to be persistent. They did not let the crowd deter them. Now, I don't know how far they walked, but I'm sure that mat would have been heavy. You get an 80 or 90 or 100 kilo man, put him on a mat and try and carry him. See how far you get. I know he might have weighed more than that. Imagine the disappointment when they got there and saw the crowd and the crowd wouldn't let them in. They could have up and given up in despair and gone home. And this afternoon in the children's talk, Jen named him Zach, so I'm going to call him Zach. So the guy said, Zach, it's not your day, mate. Let's go home. I'm sorry. He's just too busy. We can't get in. But they knew that Jesus could meet their need right there and then and they, that man wanted to walk. That was his greatest need at the time. He wanted to walk. So what is your greatest need right now? He knew Jesus could do it so his friends found another way to get to Jesus. So what do we let things, what things do we let in the way of us coming to Jesus? Yeah, it might have been easy for Jesus to be irritated and annoyed when these four men, anxious to get their friend healed, interrupt his preaching as this is what he came to do. How dare you come for healing when I'm preaching? But Jesus only saw faith. He never seems to have healed without faith, either on the part of the patient or the others. Entry into the kingdom of God takes faith, repentance and forgiveness. That's why Jesus kept saying, repent, this is the good news. We must come, in, come to him in faith, believe the good news and repent. The second observation was they dared to do what was difficult. It wouldn't have been easy to carry that 80, 90, 100 kilo man up the stairs and to the roof. I don't know how many stairs there were, but it would have been quite a lot. But such was their faith that they knew Jesus could heal him. And Jesus saw and acknowledged that faith. They were willing to do what was hard. They were willing to do what was difficult so their friend could come and be touched by Jesus. Let me ask you, how far would you go to bring a friend to Jesus, to bring a loved one to Jesus? The third observation is they dared to do what was costly. Now, they might have had to pay to repair the roof. Now, I'm sure that if tonight someone digs a hole in the roof up here in the church, I'm sure Matt would expect them to pay for it. I mentioned these observations to make the point that if we really want Jesus to meet our needs, then how determined are we to give them to him? Do we let things like our work, our study, our family get in the way of coming to Jesus or worse, bringing someone else to Jesus? See, all of us, I'm sure, have friends or loved ones or um, relatives that are sick or in great need of a touch from Jesus. Yes, we should go to Jesus with our needs. 
but have you gone to him with your greatest need? Do you even know what your greatest need is? You might say, my greatest need is food. My greatest need is money. My greatest need is a job. Your greatest need is forgiveness of sin. When we go back to the drama of the story in Mark 2, that's exactly what these people discover. So the third thing we learn about Jesus' ministry is that he forgives sins. Now Jesus said to the paralysed man, your sins are forgiven. I just want to take you back to the story where the drama is unfolding. So there's Jesus preaching away. And as he's preaching, there's a scratching sound coming from the roof. And I can imagine a man and wife standing there and and the wife says, that must be a really big possum on the roof, Bill. And there's bits of straw and hay dropping in front of Jesus, getting in their hair that they just washed this morning. And dirt falling through. And the owner of the house looking up, wondering what on earth is going on. Then a hole appears in the roof. And these heads appear down through the hole. Hello. I don't know if it was sunny, raining, snowing. I don't know. But there's a great big hole in the roof. And imagine at this point the preaching stops, the crowd is quiet and they watch the men who's mapping lowered down to Jesus. Now, I don't know if they had ropes or chains or they just dropped him down there. I don't know how they got him down there. But they got him down there. And there's a people watching and the excitement of the crowd builds. They are going to get to see the miracle that they came for. They are going to get, finally Jesus has shut up. And he's going to see this display. And Jesus looks at the man and says, Son, your sins are forgiven. What an anticlimax. Can't you sense the disappointment? They went to all of that effort to bring the man to Jesus for healing and he says, your sins are forgiven. Why would Jesus do that? The disciples saying, Jesus, have you lost your mind? Jesus did this because he knew our greatest need is forgiveness. Jesus knew that what they desired and needed most was healing for their friends. He knew that. But he knew more that healing from the effects of sin is by far the greatest need. Sin makes God mad. It offends him. An illness or injury or disability will not keep you out of heaven, but sin will. God won't put up with sin in his kingdom and all who willfully sin will perish and are in peril of hell. Jesus has to take care of the paralysis inside us, the sin that is eating away at us and keeping us out of the kingdom. We're all sinners. It doesn't matter if we're new Christians or we've been been Christians for many years. There are things we all struggle with. That is why Jesus went to the cross. He destroyed sin's power over our life. Sin does not have to control us anymore. The fact is we're human and we stuff up from time to time. 
If you're not yet a believer, Jesus also will forgive you if you ask him. Now, in that meeting that day, there were some teachers of the law. I don't know whether they were there to trap Jesus. I don't know whether they were there to trip him up or they were generally inquiring, but they were there. And they said among themselves, why does he talk like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? The fact is what they said was actually correct because the only person that can forgive another person is the one that is wronged. Let's put it this way. Say Byrne says something to Kamal and Kamal gets really offended. Kamal's upset. Kamal's crying. He's, He's really sad about it. And then Matt comes up to Byrne and says, it's okay, Byrne, you're forgiven. What right did Matt have to forgive on Kamal's behalf? It's God we've offended. So God is the only one that can forgive us. Jesus then says to the teachers of the law, why are you thinking these things? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or take up a mat and walk? The unspoken answer was that there was no way to test the reality of forgiveness. So if he'd have just forgiven the man's sins and gone away, they could have said the man's a fraud. But a very easy, there's a very easy way to test the reality of healing. So Jesus is setting up a test to prove to them that he is the Messiah and has the power to forgive sins. He does this by healing the man. That was the clincher. They couldn't argue about that. If Jesus has the power to heal the man, Jesus has the power surely to forgive him his sins. So what does it really mean then to be forgiven? We'll examine Jesus' words a little more closely. He says, son, your sins are forgiven. Son implies a family. So the man has been brought into a family. The kingdom of God is a family. The church is a family. We are a family. So if you're a believer, you're part of this family. You're a son or you're a daughter. Forgiven implies that the man's guilt, shame and sin has been taken away. So now he can come into fellowship. So not only is he part of that member of the family, because he's been cleaned, because he's been cleaned up, he can now fellowship with God. Because he's been cleaned up. Jesus has cleaned us up as well. So we've been welcomed into God's family because he's dealt with our sin. I doubt whether that man would have ever been the same. He came for healing of his body and got way more than that. Jesus confronted the religious leaders and said, I have done this to prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Where does his authority come from? Jesus himself said that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Jesus' authority was given to him by God. So Jesus can act on God's behalf. Therefore, we can confidently trust in Jesus to meet all our needs, particularly our greatest need, forgiveness of sin. Jesus has invited us to come into his kingdom. He's given us an open invitation. He's saying, come into my kingdom. It's here now. This is the good news. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. But 
in order to get there, you must repent. You must repent and believe. And Jesus has offered us forgiveness. If you're struggling right now with sin, pray and ask Jesus to forgive you and accept that forgiveness by faith. So, if we are believers and we have been cleansed of sin, how do we apply all this? If forgiveness really is our greatest need, how does this change the way we pray for others that need forgiveness? Our work colleagues, our school friends, our community. We need to pray that their hearts will be opened and they will repent and believe the good news and accept Jesus' offer of forgiveness. So if you're not yet a believer and, and this message has struck a chord with you and you'd like to know more, come and speak with someone after the service, one of the elders or one of the ministers here. They can explain, more, explain it to you in more detail. But let me just finish by saying that God is offering you a free gift. God is offering you entry into his kingdom. It's an eternal kingdom. Kingdom that will never ever fade away. Way of entry into that kingdom is to repent and believe the good news. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have offered us a way into your kingdom. You have offered us a way in through faith and repentance, believing the good news. Father, I pray that you will open our hearts today. And if we are struggling with sin, we ask that you forgive us. We ask that you cleanse us. We know that our sin offends you. We know that our sin turns, turns us away from you. Father, we willingly come and repent. In Jesus' name, forgive us. Amen.